Come on and join me as I ride the back roads of our country, seeking out people and places, just all things Americana. My name's Ken Smith, and I'm the host of Faces to Places podcast. When I was growing up, somewhere in my early teens, my granddad gave me a pocket knife. This wasn't just a pocket knife. It was a glue that would bond his past to my future. That knife wasn't fancy. It had three blades and a brown and white bone handle with a small oval-shaped emblem on the side. And the words old-timer stamped in it. Big Daddy, as we called him, never put this knife up on the shelf to be looked at or admired. It was well-worn and used, but he always kept it clean and sharp as a pocket knife should be. Now, Big Daddy was a West Tennessee cotton and soybean farmer, and he used that pocket knife every day. To Big Daddy, it was a tool. He always had three or four big hogs in his side lot, and one of our favorite things to do was to go out there, feed the hogs, and watch them eat So we leaned on that old weather grave fence. As far as I know, we never solved any of the world's problems out there, but we always found something good to talk about. One hot afternoon, we were out there leaning on the fence when Big Daddy reached in his right front pocket and pulled something out. It was that old-timer knife with the brown and white handle. I remember his hand being so big and callous that it made that knife look half its size. That's when he looked down at me and said, Here, I want you to have this. The knife he'd carry with him every day for no telling how many years was now mine. It belonged to his grandson. I carried that knife for several more years in my right front pocket just as he had, and it somehow made its way in my tackle box. That old knife has been rattling around in my tackle box now for the last 30 years or so, still sharp as always. Over the years, I've used that old knife for everything from digging worms and opening cans of beans to cleaning catfish on the Tennessee River in Northern Pike up in Ontario, Canada. That old knife is still a tool. Just use for something a little different now. Many times over the years when I needed encouragement or the strength to do the right thing in my life, I think back on the day that Big Daddy gave me his knife and the hours we spent feeding the hogs and leaning on the fence. I think to myself, what would he do if he was in my shoes? Seems to me Big Daddy was still using that old knife. Not to cut things, but as a tool to help guide his grandson many years after his passing. Who knows? Maybe he is. So over the years I've learned that knives are tools to be used in many different ways, such as a sidebuster, a carpenter, or a chef in the kitchen would. And in the old world, blades of all kinds were used to conquer regions and continents. Knives and swords were prized possessions of kings and knights and the blades they used for battle was only as good as the skills of the bladesmith that made them. And in our modern world, bladesmithing had become a dying art of sort. But in recent years, seems to be undergoing somewhat of a resurgence, thanks to some mainstream TV programs and some young folks willing to put in the hard work and the passion it takes to learn how to pound a red-hot chunk of metal into a razor-sharp blade or a tool. And today... The art of bladesmithing seems to be very much alive. Just a few days ago, I rode my bike 90 miles south of Nashville to Delrose, Tennessee, 
right on the Tennessee-Alabama state line. It was there I met with Jack Bennett, who is a young and a very talented bladesmith that is definitely doing his part in helping keep the art of bladesmithing alive. And after getting a tour of his shop and seeing his work, it was quite clear that Jack Bennett had all the talent and the passion it takes to create heirloom-quality knives. You can go to Faces to Places' Facebook page to see some of Jack's work, and also look up Jack Bennett to contact him on Instagram at jpbennettknives. So here's the conversation that I had with Jack and his shop. Jack, thank you for taking time out of your day and showing me around and talking to us about what it is that you do. Absolutely. Glad to be here. But I'm looking around, Jack. We're sitting right in the middle of your shop, and you've got all these machines and hammers. And How about just telling us exactly what a bladesmith is and how you've learned to do exactly what you do. Well, a bladesmith is somebody that heats up a, a tool steel or a, a carbon steel and they forge it into a blade or a tool. I got started or interested in it because when I was a little kid, I always enjoyed researching these famous outdoorsmen like Horace Kephart and Jim Bowie and all these, these outdoorsmen that used knives, used equipment. And so that's kind of what we got me into that doors. And then I started transitioning into camping and everything and learning how to use these tools. And I collected, collected knives and I always interested in knives, I always looked at the knives in movies. And uh, one day I just wanted to try it. So I got a, I was about 15 years old and I got an anvil and I, I actually used a fire pit and I hooked up a blower and I started started blacksmithing. Didn't know what metallurgy was, didn't know what carbon steel was, didn't know pretty much a whole lot about bladesmithing at all. I made made my first knife at a rebar. <laughs> Has zero carbon content. It makes does not make a good knife whatsoever. And it just transitioned from there. I piddled until a little bit out of high school. It later transitioned into me taking a few classes this is several several years down the road, but I finally took a class from the ABS, the American Bladesmith Society, and I learned how to properly forge knives, and that's kind of where I got more professional. I think a cool aspect of bladesmithing, way back back when, a bladesmith was respected by kings. And not as not as like uh, a king would disregard a, sh- a cobbler or a carpenter, a bladesmith was respected in all uh, in all aspects of of society. He was your he was the one that made the weapons. He was looked at as a very important person. I think that was a cool aspect of of bladesmithing. I mean, what all do you make, man? Because I've seen on your Instagram you've got like some hunting knives, you've got some pocket knives you make. I was, even saw a tomahawk on there. I make my my favorite thing to make is Bowie knives. And I guess the reason for that is a lot of the during the Civil War, Revolutionary War and throughout throughout time since the kind of the Bowie knife got got started that was the multi-tool for outdoors. That was your meat cleaver. That was your that was your uh, knife you baton wood with. It was what you whittled with and the outdoorsmen they they liked 
Bowie knives, and that's what I like to make. I also make field knives. Uh, guys f- like to use for deer hunting and whittling and uh, batoning. I uh, also make meat cleavers. I like tomahawks. Tomahawks are a very useful tool in the outdoors. I'm also interested in it because a lot of, uh, just like Bowie knives, a lot of trappers and outdoorsmen throughout history carry tomahawks as well. Jack, all your knives uh, that you make are forged. What is What is actually the forging process? I use a three burner propane gas forge and it gets it gets about up to twenty three hundred degrees. Once you get that metal hot, you have to hammer it into a shape, right? I mean, do you use hand tools? Do you use your some sort of a one of these machines or what how's that how's that work? Uh used to. I would do it all by hand. I'd have a, a sledgehammer and a little hand hammer that I would I would use. But uh now I primarily use my power hammer. It can forge some stock down pretty quick. To be a bladesmith, it sounds like you got to be a jack of all trades. You got to be a blacksmith to start out with. That's right. You gotta you gotta have a forge. Um, you gotta learn how to to look for color. You gotta learn how to uh, properly work with your hammer. So that's a lot of the blacksmithing side of it. Uh, you have to know a lot of machining techniques. So where I learned my, all my machining from, I took machine shop all four years in high school and i got certified on the lay of the mill so a lot of these those skills that i learned from that it transitioned over to my bladesmithing also along with bladesmithing i mean you have to be a woodworker dude because you do do the handles yeah that's uh carpentry def- definitely helps knowing how to work wood if you don't know anything about wood or like how how it moves when you're grinding grinding on it or cutting it, it's it's a real challenge. Especially you know some of these some wood is denser, uh, some wood is lighter. So you have to learn how to stabilize wood. Stabilizing is when you put it in a chamber, and you basically you're sucking the air out of it and you're uh, putting cactus juice into the wood or uh, a resin. And you heat that up, and it hardens the wood, so that makes it tougher. I really like any burl wood. I think that's the prettiest prettiest wood. I also like uh, desert iron wood. I work with that a lot. It's just a really dense, good wood. It doesn't absorb water very well because it's, it's such an oily wood. That's probably a couple of my favorites. All right. So your woods, do you, uh, do you have a supplier you get them from, a certain place, or you just get them from wherever you can? Just depends. I'll just I'll kind of research it on the internet where I can where I can find it, or I'll actually get it from friends that are actually just cutting wood up for firewood. I've got some pretty spalted maple. Somebody was just going to throw in a burn pit, and now it's on one of my high end knives right now. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I've seen some of the handles on your knives, man. That some of the wood you use is amazing. I just have some pretty grain and pretty color. Yes, sir. Uh, so you make sheaths for all these knives, and where'd you learn, or how did you learn how to make, how to work with leather, and how to make those? Where I learned leather, leather crafting is really just through uh, some on online courses, and that's kind of where I learned some basic things. Hand stitching, I really just learned all all on my own, just through trial and error. On your sheaths, you can you actually can engrave initials, like somebody's initials, on there if they wanted. That- yeah, it's it's kind of incredible what you can do with leather. It's almost like engraving steel, except you're stamping. So, Jack, I'm looking around your shop here, man. You got all these, you got all these big industrial looking machines, dude. It looks like you could build a battleship in here with all these things. Well, so talking about that, that's another part of bladesmithing. 
it's a pretty pretty big deal because it's a pretty big investment. But a lot of these machines uh, found on Facebook Market or Craigslist or through through friends. I didn't buy them new. They were, some of them were pretty beat up, and I would take time to restore these machines where they were actually in usable condition. And that's kind of where it just all started. You can once you fix one machine, you can use that machine to fix another machine. So it just keeps on building up. Well, I don't know if you realize it, but you're, but man, by getting these old machines and restoring them and using them, man, you're preserving some industrial history there. Man. Yeah, I, that's just besides bladesmithing. I just love buying machines, restoring them. It's just fun for me. So, did you get most of them in old uh, warehouses around here, or old shops, or what? Most of them, uh, they would come from old machine shops, retired machinists. Those people, uh, and most most of my machines are they look good, pretty decent now. But uh, most of them are covered in rust and pretty beat up when I get them. When I was talking to you earlier, you said you had one from uh, that might have made some guns or something from the Korean War, and that was you know the Korean War was early fifties, I think fifty to nineteen fifty three. So that's that's pretty old, man. Yeah, there's that. I have a Herbert Senior. Uh, Number five, it was for primarily production work. I I got it for free, actually, from a guy because it's a little bit outdated and it's pretty, uh, it can't do a whole lot of things, but it can turn down uh, really big diameters. It can drill really big holes. I'm going to get it set up for, for that. I got to make a chuck for it. But it's it's a really cool machine. I think it was made early 50s and then... They made them, I think, all the way up to seventy. So it could have been a war machine. They could have it, they could have made gun barrels or parts for helicopters or something. You never know. You never know what a a piece of uh, machining equipment is. What what projects it's been on. Well, Jack, I'm gonna head back to Nashville, man. Uh, but first, I tell you what, man, I'm gonna ride some of these roads. I love riding these hilly roads to go through the farmland and awesome. Thank y'all for listening to us at Faces to Places podcast. You can like us on Facebook and Instagram, and you can give us a raving review and a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on down the road at Faces to Places.